you for listening to this message from the Northgate. Can we just talk tonight? I don't know if this is going to come out as a as teaching or preaching. I don't know how it's going to come out. All I know is that the Lord's been speaking to me about two specific words, and I feel like we'll go on a little journey with those two words. Mama Jay's like, heck yeah, I love it. And we'll just see what happens. I know that there's some things that he wants us to be able to enter into, and I feel like there's an opportunity that's being presented to us that if we'll say yes, that we're going to experience things that we've never experienced before. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it sounds like. I don't know what it feels like, but I'm just going to say yes anyway. Yeah? So the two, the two words that he's been speaking to me about, I've been talking to Elder Mike, went to McDonald's randomly just to take the kids to the play place because they were wild one evening. So you take them to, yeah, really. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk our kids are just wild, bouncing off the walls? Never. Never would have saw that coming. Some sitting there, they're playing in the play place, kind of like whatever, you know. And then we see, Uncle, we, they call them uh, Uncle Mike and Uncle Jen for whatever, from when they were babies. I have no idea. Coming in with Sam. And they were like, heck yeah. So then Aunt Jen got to watch all the kids while, of course, me and Thompson go sit in the corner and talk and revelate for like an hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> Probably three. <laughs> she remembers. She says, this is more like three <laughs> in 22 minutes. <laughs> so I want to talk to, I feel like he's going to show us some things on these two words, trust and meekness. And I don't know exactly how it's going to tie together. Well, we'll see where he's going to take us. So the first part is kind of review. The second part will kind of be review. But I feel like there's this journey through trust that he's wanting us to take. And I'm going to read some scriptures. I feel like the first layer, if you would, is ensuring our trust in Yahweh. And we're going to go through some scriptures, Zach, that just talk about what happens, the things that we get that we receive because of our trust in him. So Psalms 33 says, the Lord alone is our radiant hope and we trust in him with all our hearts. His wraparound presence will strengthen us. I know that uh, the Hebrews love that one. As we trust, we rejoice with an uncontained joy flowing from Yahweh. Next one, we're just going to flow right through them, bud. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself. Then every plan you make will succeed. Come on, Jesus. Keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God, and you will be secure, feasting on his faithfulness. Give God the right to direct your life, verse 5. Give God the right to direct your life, and as you trust in him along the way, you'll find he pulled it off perfectly, Papa Ed. He pulled it off perfectly. Imagine that. 
Psalm 40, verse 4. Blessing after blessing comes to those who love, say love, and trust in the Lord. They will not fall away, for they refuse to listen to the lies of the proud. Psalm 56, verse 3. But in the day that I'm afraid, I lay all my fears before you and trust in you with all my heart. And then Proverbs 16:20. One skilled in business discovers prosperity, but the one who trusts in God is blessed beyond belief. Come on, Jesus. Some of you guys don't, some of you know, most of you don't know. We're talking about trusting in Yahweh. Towards the end of this year, for the first time in my entire life, I didn't have any work. And for several weeks, from the end of the year through the beginning of this year, I didn't have any work. And I counted it a blessing. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know how in the heck we were going to pull it off. All I knew is that this is what was being presented to me and my family. And Yahweh, I trust you. And I got to spend my kids' two-week Christmas break at home being dad instead of being at, at work every day. Nothing against that. I've done that for the past 20-whatever, however many years. Too many. 20 years. I got to spend... We got to go out and do stuff. We got to have fun. Mama got to eat like a queen. Daddy was cooking from like Thanksgiving through January. She was like, yeah. Right? So no work. And I've, I felt this in my spirit for, I don't know how it translates for everybody, but for business owners. I ended up doing a small job for a friend. And as kingdom builders, we've kind of vowed to ourselves that when we do business with kingdom family, that we're going to do it for a discounted rate, right? And every time I've done that, I've known that there's the, the way that, that I've done it or the way that we've done it, I knew that there was a better way. I just couldn't put my finger on it because I could see how easily the thought of resentment can come into your heart as a business owner, feeling like you're, I'm the one that's going and I'm being a blessing to these people that are around me and how easily it could be confused in your own heart that I feel like, I, I feel like I'm being taken advantage of or I could be out there making 50 bucks an hour and I'm doing this for 10 bucks an hour. How, however it gets contemplated in your own mind, right? So, I do this small job for a friend, and I felt like the Spirit said, you're giving me your time. You're giving me your time. You're being a blessing to them, but you're giving me your time. And then, when they paid me for the work that I did, when I ended up having work, I went out to go buy food for my workers, for the, the subs that were working for me, and he told me to give it all to the single mom that was running the drive through 
So I gave my time to Yahweh and I was a blessing to a friend. And I was a blessing to somebody that I didn't even know with the resources that came into my hand. There's absolutely no way resentment can come into your heart. If we'll allow ourselves to operate in that type of generosity. That ain't for me. I got taught that. I've never done that before in my life. In a time that my family could have used the resources. It's not like we didn't need the money. But it wasn't about the money. It was about being, being given the opportunity to trust him and being a given, given the opportunity to be a blessing in a friend's life and then being given the opportunity to prophesy over a woman and tell her, God sees you. You think you're hiding in a drive through window, but God sees you and he's gonna take care of you. Come on. Maybe you're trusting, need to trust him for an extended family member. This is all kind of just review stuff before we move on. I've wanted to see the Lord work in my stepdad for probably a decade. And I'm telling you, it's been rough in some times, some periods. There was, there's points that we didn't even see him for a long time. And I was like, I don't know what's going on at their house. We only get to see my mom every once in a while. But we've never stopped praying for him every opportunity that we've get, that we have been given. And I'm telling you, he's starting to do something in his heart. I'm telling you, he's starting to do something in his heart. I've never seen him stand up for my mom the way that he's stood up for my mom in the situation that they're in right now. And who he had to stand up against for his wife. I mean, I about melted in my chair when I'm having this conversation with my mom. I'm like, that is Jesus. It has to be Jesus. Trusting him for your extended family. Come on. I'm telling you, he'll do it. Trusting in him and believing that he is involved in every area, every detail of our lives. That there's nothing that he's not aware of and there's nothing that he's not intimately involved in, yeah? When we have this type of trust in him, it leads us into trusting the leader that he's placed in our lives. This is all gonna make sense later when I tell the story. Trusting him leads us into trusting the leader that, he, that he's placed in our lives. Examples of when the apostles trusted Jesus. So when Jesus, being the prime example of the most incredible leader that has ever stepped on the face of the planet, he goes and he calls his disciples, right? He goes to the boat. He tells them to drop their nets. Come follow me. I don't know if they've, I've actually thought about this. I don't know if they've ever actually met this man. I don't know if they've ever seen him before, but there was something about him that caused them to be able to trust him as a leader in their life. When he is preaching the Sermon on the Mount and he speaks to all the people and he says, you're gonna have to eat my flesh and you're gonna have to drink my blood. 
and everybody leaves. And he looks at his disciples. He says, are you going to leave me too? And they're like, we're not going anywhere. You alone have the words of life. They trusted him in that moment, right? When they go out in pairs and he sends them out in pairs and he says, take absolutely nothing with you because the father is going to be the one that takes care of you while you're out doing the things that is, are being asked of you. They trusted him in that. When they were told to go up into the upper room and they had absolutely no idea what was going to happen. All they had was a word that go, wait, until. And they trusted him, right? They watched him go, go off into a distance and they trusted him. There was only one, one instance that I could think of when I was going through all these things that they were unable to trust Jesus. And it was every time he talked about in which, in which manner he was going to have to die. Every time he brought up the plan that the father had, they were like, no, 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 no. Hey, wait, 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 time out, time out. Right? I see uh, Peter and the disciples standing on the beach and they're talking to Jesus and Jesus starts talking about how he's gonna have to die. And Peter's like, far be it from you, Lord. And he rebukes him. He's like, you don't understand, rebuke, I rebuke you, Satan. It was the only area where they didn't trust him, even to the point where he's being uh, taken from the garden. He's being taken before all, these diff- all the different people and everybody abandons him and everybody leaves him. They didn't trust him in that. But he's asking for us, and I feel like this is, something that he's been speaking to us over the past several weeks with all these, everybody that's been coming in, trusting Yahweh and trusting the leaders that he's placed in our lives. It's the two, the two first layers. The purpose is what I want to talk about. Trusting in him and trusting in the leader that he's placed in our lives leads us to being able to trust one another. It was one of the, the greatest characteristics that the disciples were, were able to achieve, for lack of a better term, was the trust that they had in one another. And there's a really cool story that we're going to talk about. There was a, uh, the way that this kind of came to me while I was reading through scripture. So my daughter has been addicted to this movie. If you guys don't know me, the Lord speaks to me through music and through movies and through all these different things. You guys ever heard of, I know Sis probably has the movie, Rhea and the Last Dragon. All your kids, right? Right? Every day she's coming downstairs, Sisu, Sisu, Sisu. I'm like, why ya, why ya? Right? If you've never seen it, some of these men probably never seen it. Warren's like, heck to the no. So Raya, there's all these different nations in this movie and they're all at odds with with each other. And they have this stone that everybody thinks gives this specific tribe special powers. It really doesn't. But it's the last dragon stone. They don't really know what it is. They just just know that it's special and they're supposed to protect it. And later they find out how it was achieved, how they were able to get this stone, right? So all the tribes are at odds with one another. 
but they were meant to live completely unified. And the story is, is that there's this darkness that comes, and if the darkness touches you, it turns you to stone. And the only thing that keeps the darkness away is this stone and the presence of this stone on the earth. So all the tribes, each, each one of them wants to have it, so they, they begin to battle for it. They go into the, the mountain, and they're all fighting over it, and they break it. And each tribe just gets a little piece after they break it. And all these people get turned to stone, and they don't know what they're supposed to do. And Raya, make a long story short, goes to each of these tribes, and all of these people that are seeming enemy, seemingly enemies have no, have no other choice but to come together and finally begin to trust one another. They find the last dragon. They find out the story of the stone is all of these brothers and sisters had to trust one another in order to put all of what was inside of them into this stone to keep the darkness away. And in order for them to be able to save the earth and bring it back into original intent and bring the people of the earth back into unity, they were going to have to trust one another. And you watch at the end, the darkness is coming like every Disney movie. And it's one steps up and it turns to stone and the next one steps up and turns to stone. And Raya, the one leader of the one tribe that they just could not get along. They were the ones that were seemingly enemies. The rest kind of figured it out beforehand. I was like, I'd sit there with my daughter, my two-year-old daughter, we're watching this Disney movie while I'm bawling my eyes out. She, step, she steps up, she gives all the pieces of the gem, the gem to the person that she, they think that they hate each other and says, I trust you. And she puts it back together. She sets it, sets it in place. She gets turned to stone. But the, the trust amongst them releases the power. And the entire earth comes back into creative alignment. And everybody that's on the earth comes into the fullness of unity. It's awesome. My two-year-old girl's like, heck yeah, daddy. This is, when I was watching this, I could literally see the apostles, the 120 in the upper room. What did we just talk about? Everybody, how many people were at the cross? Mary and John. Everybody else abandoned them. Everybody else denied them. Everybody else left. And what have we always said? All of them came back into the upper room And think about what that room must have been like for the first couple of days. All of them had to look at each other in the eyes. He said, go up there and wait until. So they all went, and they're all hanging out. And I could see them probably sitting there, trying to ignore it, trying not to deal with it. But eventually, they were going to have to look each other in the eyes. And those very decisions that they made. Sorry, I got a little. Those decisions that they made, they were going to have to face them. They were going to have to look at each other. 
They were going to have to release forgiveness to one another, and they were going to have to begin to trust one another again. Mary and John were going to have to look at all these people that said that they would never leave. They'd never do anything to hurt them. They'd never deny them. They'd never do any of these things. They that stayed even at the foot of the cross were going to have to look at all these people and begin to trust again. And it was in this moment that the Spirit of God comes down and endues them with power. I could see them coming together, and it was like when trust began to fill their hearts for one another again, the promise came. He's asking, trust him, trust the leaders in your lives, and it will lead you into trusting one another to the deepest degree you ever have. I said that I felt the richness of togetherness was the best way I could describe it. That's how I heard it in my spirit. The richness of togetherness. We're going to walk in power in the earth, and we're going to see what eye has not seen and hear what ears not heard, and we're going to be the light of the earth and bring it back into its original intent. It's going to take each and every one of us trusting in one another to be able to release that kind of power. You know what happened to them after that? I've always said this. After they received power and they began to live that life, you know how we see that they lived that life of trust? They went house to house every day. They spent every moment with each other. The same thing they did with Jesus, they began to do with one another. They did everything together. Their lives were completely interwoven. I could see them walking hand in hand, skipping to the temple. It's time to pray. Or BB, BB doing his whatever. I can't do none of that stuff. Getting all excited. Now we're pointing at somebody. They began to operate in such power of the Holy Spirit that it actually scared people. It said that when some of the miracles that they did after the upper room experience, it said that the fear of God so fell on communities because of the things that the apostles did. And entire cities were transformed. It's an incredible, dangerous group of people. Huh? Dangerous. These, this group of people that were, that were brought into such unity because of their trust in God, trust in the one that was leading them, and trust in one another, that they were actually dangerous in the earth. Woo! We need dangerous men and women of God in the earth releasing the kingdom again. Say that. Dangerous. <laughs> You talk, ooh. Thanks, BB. Thanks, BB. Thanks, BB. Can we do 2 Samuel 23? It's all right. It's all right. So this is the story I'm talking about. Trusting in God, trusting in your leader, loving your leader, leading you into trusting each other and loving one another to the deepest degree. I love this story, and I almost leapt out of my seat I actually talked about it at 
one of the home group meetings. And then Pastor Todd came in here and began to touch on it. I'm like, whoa, hey. So 2 Samuel 23 says, then, this is talking about the mighty men of David, and it's talking about David in the cave of Adullam and all this crazy stuff they did, right? So we're not going to talk about some of the crazy stuff they did, but we're going to talk about this one crazy thing. It says, then three of the 30 chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and they took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. He said, little from homies. And he said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. One of them was Eleazar, son of Dodo. I text Dakota, I said, hey, they used to call you Dodo. I said, hey, I found it in scripture. It's Eleazar, son of Dodo. So listen, they, these cats had such a love for the Lord and for David that it caused them to be in such trust with one. It's like a special ops group that they were in such union and love and trust with one another that when, he, when David said, I just want to drink a water from Bethlehem, they're completely surrounded by the enemy. And these three dudes, back to back, fight their way through the Philistines to get a cup of water for David and fight their way back. Dangerous men. Dangerous men. This leads, leads me into talking about the necessity of meekness because meekness cannot be had unless you have the potential to be dangerous. I was talking to Thompson, and our, it's not even just Western. It's like through the centuries, our understanding of meekness has been lost from what it meant back in the biblical days. You read some of these uh, commentaries on the, the, the meek shall inherit the earth. It's incredible. So the necessity for meekness when we have the potential to be dangerous. So this is Matthew, out of Matthew 5, 5. We know the verse. We don't have to put it up. When he says that the meek shall inherit the earth, right? And I asked people, I asked my wife, I asked Dakota, I asked several people, I said, what do you think meek means? And they said quiet and humble and, you know, somebody said like standoffish or uh, what's the word? Uh, like not abrasive, right? 
meekness. I was like, eh. But all of that lacks context. Because it doesn't, I don't understand how somebody sitting off in a corner inherits the earth. And the, the context we think of humility as, we, we may not openly say it, but we look at it as like shy or scared, weak. It's not at all what it used to mean. Check out this commentary, Ellicott's commentary. In verse five, it says, the meek. The word so rendered was probably used by St. Matthew in its popular meaning without any reference to the definition which ethical writers had given of it. But it may be worthwhile to recall Aristotle's account of it from that time period as the character of one who has the passion of resentment under control and who is therefore tranquil and untroubled as in, as in part determining the popular use of the word and in part also explaining the beatitude. Matthew Poole said, Men count the hectares of the world happy, whom none can provoke, but they must expect as good as they bring. They bring an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you that these are not truly happy. They are tortured with their own passions. As their hand is against everyone, so every man's hand is against them. Besides that, there is a God who will revenge the wrongs they do. But the meek, who can be angry, but restrain their wrath in obedience to the will of God and will not be angry unless they can be angry and not sin, nor will easily be provoked by others, but rather use soft words to pacify wrath and give place to the passions of others. These are the blessed men. For though others may by their sword and their bow conquer a great deal of the earth, to their will and power, yet they will never quietly and comfortably inherit or possess it. They are possessors, mele fide, which is translated forcible possessors. And they will enjoy what they have as rapacious birds enjoys theirs loudly. Everyone hath his gun ready, charged and cocked against them, but those who are of meek and quiet spirits, though they may not take so deep root in the earth as others more boisterous, yet they shall enjoy what God gives them with more quiet and certainty, and God will provide for them. Verily, they shall be fed. I heard a man named Jordan Peterson. Anybody know Jordan Peterson? He gave the most incredible definition of meekness I've ever heard. He said, in, in those days, what, what we think meekness is and what they thought meekness is are com almost polar opposites. He said, when they would say meek, they would mean to him who has a sword and has the ability to use it, yet keeps it sheathed, shall inherit the world. See, dangerous men and women who have the ability to be dangerous in the world, they choose compassion and mercy over cruelty. And those men and women will inherit the world.
awesome. One of the other things that we, I was talking about with Big Mike was this gave me understanding of why Jesus, I think it's in Luke 22, where he's getting ready to go to the garden and he's getting ready to be taken by the guards. He's never told him this. He says, hey, go get a knapsack. Go get this, this, and that. And if you don't have a sword, sell something and buy a sword. We're like, what? Then they go to the garden and they come to take Jesus and Peter cuts a dude's ear off and he's like, hey, that's not what you're here for. I'm like, what? It doesn't even make sense. Why would you tell him to go buy a sword and bring a sword because uh, danger's imminent? Those are the words. It says, because danger's imminent. Then Peter uses a sword and he's like, no, that's not what you were supposed to do. Takes the dude's ear, puts his ear back on. Or was he being presented with the opportunity to be meek so that he could inherit the world? How many times were the disciples presented with opportunities when they could have been dangerous yet being given the opportunity to be merciful and compassionate and actually show meekness? How about when they were going to call down fire? They were like, let's just call down fire like Elijah and burn them all up. And he's like, you don't know what spirit you're of. Why? Wasn't that they weren't able to do it. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. You're, you're being brought into meekness. You're being brought into the place of being able to show compassion and mercy. With God, nothing is impossible, and all things are possible to those that believe. How is that not a dangerous group of people to the culture that's around us? How about when he said, if two or three will ask anything in my name and agree as touching the matter, I will do it. Because we trust him. We trust our leaders. We trust one another, which brings us into this, into such unity. You know how I think of unity? I was thinking about this actually this morning. When I think of unity, I think of Eva playing with Play-Doh. She gets three things of Play-Doh, and instead of taking the blue one and making something, taking the orange one and making something, taking the green one, make, we're just going to mash it all together because this is the best thing to do, right? I just want a big, giant ball of brown Play-Doh, right? And you'll, you'll never be able to separate. You'll never be able to separate them. It's like taking two, it's like taking a piece of double mint gum and a piece of Bubblicious, throwing them both in your mouth and chewing them up. I didn't say it was supposed to taste good. It's an example, heaven. Don't you turn your nose up at me. It's like taking two pieces of gum and throwing it in your mouth and chewing it up. You'll never be able to separate those two things ever again. I could, I could cut it in half, but a portion of both things will always be connected together, even if I try to separate it. In that Play-Doh, once she does it, it just turns into three jugs of brown Play-Doh. 
They will always be together. This is what I think about when I think about the unity that we're being called into and the power that's gonna be released from that community of people is going to be like those of the apostles and greater. Jesus. You can't be meek without the potential of being dangerous. I wrote this this morning. Being, Being dangerous carries with it the potential to be cruel, but the meek choose mercy and compassion over cruelty. You can't be dangerous without trusting in one another, in the leader God's joined you to, and in Yahweh himself. I think, I feel like we're being positioned as a family to begin to come into the greatest measure of trust in one another that we've ever experienced. Mike said something this uh, today. Where'd he go? There he is. Where he always is. I looked over and I saw Armin and I'm like, where'd he go? He said, I can, I can feel something stirring in the room tonight that I've not experienced and I don't want to leave. And I'm telling you, if we'll allow him to work in our hearts and our lives and in our spirits to bring us into this so that we can experience the greatest measure of union we've ever experienced. You know, then Ephesians 4 where it talks about the full stature of Christ as a community of believers being brought in to the full stature of Christ so that when people that are not in the kingdom look at a community of people and they, they look at the group of people and they see Jesus. I want that, man. I felt it, I felt it stirring in the room as soon as we got started tonight. Whew. Man, Jesus. So I feel like we're being presented. Armin, if you want to go up on the piano. I don't know what it looks like. I know that I I understand I more fully understand the way that we teach our kids so that they don't have to experience the things that we've experienced. Because it's, it's because of the decisions, it's because of the wrong relationships I've had in my past. That's, that was the catalyst for me not being able to trust people that were around me. And because we train up a child in the way that they should go, the things that we've experienced, we love and hope for, they would never have to experience those things or be healed from those things. It's the reason why you say don't try on relationships like shoes. And to be careful who you yoke yourself up with as friends. Because the things that we've, we as adults have had to experience because we've not had that, you'll never have to experience and there'll be an even greater level of trust in one another that you guys will experience as teenagers as you grow older together. 
because it grows exponentially from generation to generation. So I feel like he's presenting us with an opportunity that if there's any area that's in our life that we just can't trust, I don't know if it's it's areas that you feel like you can't trust in him, if it's areas that you feel like you can't trust leaders in your life, if there's areas where you feel like you you just can't fully trust the people that you're surrounded by, I feel like he's going to, he's giving us an opportunity for those things to be mended tonight so that we can experience the greatest measure of union as a group of people that we've ever experienced. Whew. So if you want to stand, I don't care what you do. Just don't grovel on the floor. If that, if there's any area in your life that you feel like you can't trust or just don't have it in you to trust, he's coming after that tonight. Whew. Jesus. Yahweh, I thank you for these people. And I thank you for what you're calling us into as a family and as a community, God. Yahweh, I pray that if there's any area on the inside of us that needs dealt with so that we could trust you fully and that we could trust the people that you've placed in our life fully because we want the earth to see the full stature of Jesus. You're looking for a group of people that are, their sole focus is to see Jesus high and lifted up and to see his kingdom come into the earth to the greatest measure it ever has until it takes over, till the glory of the Lord fills the earth like the water covers the sea. Oh, Whoa. <laughs> so if you need to come up, you can come up. I would encourage you to come up. Yahweh, deal with any areas that we just can't seem to trust in, Yahweh. listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.